Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to LSU Daily with Matt Moscona. Your home for all the latest Tiger news. Part of the Guarantee Podcast Network. Okay, let's get it. It is LSU Daily. I'm your host, Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us here uh, on this Wednesday edition of LSU Daily. We will drop a pod for you on Thanksgiving morning, so we'll have some content for you. My apologies. I know our drop schedule's been a little bit off this week, so uh, just some technical stuff, and I apologize for that, but we're on target here. And uh, in just a bit, Shay Dixon is going to be with us here today from On3, the Bengal Tiger, final game of the regular season, final home game, final on-campus recruiting opportunity during the season for LSU. So we'll get your recruiting update from Shea uh, here in just a smidge. Last week, Brian Kelly was asked about Malik Neighbors, and uh, this was his Monday press conference before the Georgia State game. And it was in context of you know awards and, and the Blitnikoff Award, as we talk so much about Jaden for Heisman. Here's what Brian Kelly said last Monday. I think he's the best wide receiver in the country. And I'm sure that um, Coach Day is going to say that his guy is the best. And I totally understand that. But Malik Neighbors, in terms of what he does uh, on jet sweeps, what he does in terms of yards after the catch, catching the ball down the field, I think he is... uh, you know, multi-dimensional in, in what he does, leading the, the country in receiving yards. You know, I, I think he's he's the best receiver in the country and deserving of, of you know, being a, a Blitnikoff uh, award winner. So, Brian Kelly really said it just about perfectly there. Um, he thinks his guy should win it. Coach Day at Ohio State very likely thinks his guy should win it, his guy being Marvin Harrison Jr., and, of course, the Blitnikoff semifinalists were announced on Monday. And two LSU receivers, both Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, were listed as semifinalists for the award, and they've both been awesome. We know that you know, Brian Thomas leads the country in receiving touchdowns. Malik Neighbors leads the country in receiving yards. They've been awesome, and both are worthy of being considered here. Um, but it's my very sincere feeling that Malik Neighbors is not going to win this award. Now, I want to be really clear. In my opinion, Malik Neighbors is having the best season of any receiver in the country. When you look at... So there, are, there is an objective and a subjective component to all of these awards. The objective component are, are the stats. The subjective component is what you make of those statistics. For example, Malik Neighbors is not leading the country 
in receptions. That is Malik Washington from uh, Virginia, who's got 96 receptions. That's 16 more than Malik Neighbors. But Malik Neighbors has more receiving yards on fewer catches. So again, the subjective component of this is, what do you interpret those stats to be? Objectively, Malik Neighbors, 1,424 receiving yards on 80 catches, 129 yards per game. That leads the country. Um, 12 touchdowns, which is second in the country behind only uh, Brian Thomas Jr. and uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Excuse me, it's third. Thomas has 14, Marvin Harrison has 13, and then um, Malik Neighbors has, has 12. So you can interpret from all of these statistics whatever you want. And there are 10 semifinalists that are all having great seasons and are amazing players. Uh, of course, we, we know a lot of the names on here. Marvin Harrison Jr., Keon Coleman, Roma Dunze, Luther Burden, Neighbors, Brian Thomas. Brock Bowers is on there. I don't think he should be. He's a tight end. He's not a receiver, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Xavier Leggett is on there as well, who's having a great season quietly for a bad team. So when you look objectively, you could make the case for Malik Neighbors because he's leading the country in receiving yards objectively, you could make a case for Malik Washington because he leads the country in receptions. Objectively, you can make a case for Brian Thomas because he leads the country in receiving touchdowns. See what I'm saying? So the subjective component is really what's going to swing this one way or, the, or another for the Blitnikoff. But what happens a lot of times with these awards is they become lifetime achievement awards. And you can roll your eyes and hem and haw and huff and puff and I don't blame you because I've done that plenty over the years. But that has both benefited LSU and worked as a detriment to LSU. Here's the best example I can give you. In 2018, Grant Delpit was the best defensive back in college football. Grant Delpit in 2018 was otherworldly. 13 games, 74 tackles, nine and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, a forced fumble, 14 passes defended, and five interceptions. Grant Delpit, in 2018, did not win the Thorpe Award. DeAndre Baker from Georgia did. Remember when I told you, and I know stats confuse people and, and, and numbers confuse people on radio. Grant Delpit had 74 tackles. DeAndre Baker had 40. Nearly doubled him in tackles. Grant Delpit had nine and a half tackles for loss. DeAndre Baker had two. Grant Delpit had five sacks in 2018. DeAndre Baker had bagel, goose egg, zero. Each player had a forced fumble. Delpit had 14 passes defense where Baker had 12. Grant Delpit had five interceptions. Baker had two. Grant Delpit had an otherworldly season in 2018. He was the best defensive back. I would argue in 2018, Grant Delpit was actually the best defensive player in all of college football. But DeAndre Baker won the award because DeAndre Baker was a household name at that point. In 2019, Grant Delpit's numbers all took a step back, and Grant Delpit played much of the 2019 season limited due to injury. Now, he only missed one game that year, but he was on a national championship team, and after the amazing 2018 season that he had, 
he carried that notoriety into 2019. And of course, as you know, Grant Delpit in 2019 won the Thorpe Award, despite having fewer tackles, about it, literally half as many tackles for loss, just two sacks where he had five the year before, nine passes defended where he had 14 the year before, two interceptions where he had five the year before. Grant Delpit was a lesser player in 2019 than he was in 2018, but he won the Thorpe. So my point is, this has happened plenty of times with these awards. And it, there's times where it's benefited LSU, like it did Grant Delpit in 2019. And I sat here and I praised Grant Delpit as the Thorpe Award winner, and he should have won it in 2018, but I was glad he won it in 2019. So it would be hypocritical of me today to bemoan Marvin Harrison being the front runner for this award when I know and you know that Malik Neighbors is having the best season of any wide receiver in college football this year. That is objective fact, and it is my subjective opinion. However, Marvin Harrison a year ago had 77 catches and 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns, and he was awesome. And came back this season, and instead of catching passes from a guy that's going to win NFL Rookie of the Year and C.J. Stroud, he's catching passes from Kyle McCord, and the offense hasn't exactly been churning but he's still a 1,000-yard receiver on an offense that isn't very good. Jackson Smith and Jigba's in the NFL. Your quarterback isn't what you had a year ago. Everybody's gunning for you, and he's still a 1,000-yard receiver with 13 touchdowns. Marvin Harrison is a great player. Every mock draft has him as the number one receiver and the first receiver off the board. He's a great player, and he's probably going to win the Blitnikoff on reputation, not on the job he's done this year. He's having a very good year. It's not as good a season as Malik Neighbors is having. But Grant Delpit won the Thorpe in 2019 when that wasn't as good a year as the one he had before. When he got hosed and they gave it to DeAndre Baker, who was certainly not worthy in 2018. But he won a career lifetime achievement award. I think that's what's going to happen here, unfortunately, for Malik Neighbors. Whereas he's the best receiver in the country this year and he is worthy of winning that award this year but he's probably not going to win the award because the guy who is is going to win a Lifetime Achievement Award, which we see happen very often, both for and against LSU players when it comes to these national awards. Now, uh, if there is a consolation prize from Elite Neighbors, um, it's going to be a pretty heavy one too. Uh, ESPN.com, uh, their, their collection of draft analysts debated the top 10 picks. It's a piece up at ESPN.com if you want to go read it. And they got the New York Jets projected uh, with the 10th pick in the draft. So it's Field Yates and um, it's Miller and uh, Reed and all those guys who are just having like a back and forth uh, in text about who should be the pick for each team picking top 10. And they're projecting the, ten, the Jets to pick 10th overall. And if you scroll down, they've got uh, Malik Neighbors going 10th overall to the New York Jets. Um, by the way, Slot value, the projected slot value for the 10th pick in this year's draft is $21.1 million with a signing bonus of $12.3 million. Yeah, I want Malik Neighbors to win to win the Bolitnikoff. He's worthy. He's the best receiver in the country. He's probably not going to win it. But that would be a pretty nice consolation prize. $21 million contract and a $12 million signing bonus. Either way, Malik Neighbors is having an awesome year. He'll be all SEC. He should have a lot of All-American honors as well. Um, and he's going to be a, a very rich man 
here in a few months. So great season for Malik Neighbors. We'll see how it all plays out with award season right around the bend. Okay, we'll get to Shea Dixon here in just a second. But, of course, ladies and gents, your Baton Rouge Tecovis store is open. So stop by Tecovis at Perkins Row, grab a cold one, get acquainted with a great pair of Western boots. Each pair of Tecovis are quality made to keep you in a personal style that's all yours to own. A great pair of boots will elevate your casual game day look or add a refined flair that will draw eyes at the stadium and start conversations. From Death Valley to your next national championship kickoff this season and a new pair of Tecovis, stop by the store at Perkins Row and don't go gently. Our buddy Shay Dixon from On3, uh, the Bengal Tiger, good enough to join us for a couple of minutes. Shady, we appreciate you as always, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. So, um, final game, but it's Thanksgiving week. Your final home game, of course. How big of a deal is this uh, for recruiting, assuming uh, your know, last time to get recruits on campus to uh, to watch a home game? I think it's twofold or, or, or multi-tiered here. I think it's important to get some guys in here at the end. Look, George McIntyre, 2025's number two quarterback, uh, right behind Bryce Underwood, uh, will be back for his second game of the season uh, this weekend when he visits. And he's going to have, you know, by the time LSU's home season rolls around next year, he'll already be committed somewhere. So you've even got juniors who are going to come onto campus and maybe make their final game visit before making a decision this offseason. Um, but as you noted, it's Thanksgiving week. The game's at 11, so for out-of-state kids, it's obviously tough to get in, especially if they're in the playoffs. And a lot of these kids are playing on Friday night, so can you turn around and wake up at 5 a.m. and drive in from wherever and, and get to an 11 a.m. game uh, if you're in Texas or somewhere like that? I think that's what we're monitoring. But uh, most notably, I think, Matt, is the – kind of LSU Texas A and M battles we have going on down here the stretch uh, down the stretch which includes um, a Texas guy in five star Terry Bussey uh, an athlete who could play really either way but LSU likes him at DB and then two Louisiana defensive linemen in Don McKinley over to Katiana and then Gabe Elliford uh, at Evangel um, as the three guys who are still committed to A and M uh, that LSU has been pursuing and LSU obviously already flipped one uh, five-star commitment from Texas A&M and Weston Davis. That happened before Jimbo even got fired. Now, is LSU able to add to that uh, at all as, you know, uh, the Aggies are in a transition and during this time period where they're looking for a new coach? You always tell me, Shay, that, you know, recruits that aren't swayed by one game, right? So why would Saturday be more influential, say, for Bussy McKinley or Relaford than, than normal? Well, and that was part of my multi-tiered answer here, and I'd frame it this way, that even beyond these kids who are deciding between LSU and A&M, I think for LSU, what's at stake this weekend? And uh, on the Bengal Tiger podcast this week in our mailbag, I debated uh, Matthew Breeb, um, Matty B, a.k.a. Matty B on our site, uh, about this. And uh, I may be in the wrong here. I may not be viewing this right. Maybe I need to put it in. Um, exact verbiage that matches the point I'm trying to get across. I think, for me, this is one of the, if not the, I'll make the argument of the, most important game of Brian Kelly's tenure at LSU so far. And people will say, well, that's not true. They played Florida State twice, or he beat Bama, or they went to an NFC championship. Like, there had, look, A&M a year ago, had they won that game, they were getting into a New Year's Six Bowl. But you lose this time, and 
you lose that chance at saying, hey, we had back-to-back 10-win seasons in our first two years here. And recruits see that as trending up, you know. If you lose this game, you're an 8-14. and 14. You're not making any off-season noise here. You win it, you're back in that position where as a top-15 program, you're saying, look, back-to-back double-digit win seasons, and maybe just as big, if not bigger, for the longevity of what you're selling here. And if they don't win Saturday, does Jane Daniels win Heisman? I mean, even if he plays well, is a four-loss quarterback winning the Heisman if Bo Nixon goes out there and continues to shine? I mean, obviously the chances go down. So we're talking 10-win seasons, Heisman, Bolitnikoff chances, the best receiver in the country for Malik Neighbors, all these different things work for recruiting, what you're selling, the future of the program. And I just see Saturday and the need to get to nine wins at this point in year two, where if you win this game, you're probably winning a Heisman. You may win a Bolitnikoff. You're probably then going to win 10 games as being the most important game so far of Kelly's tenure. Okay. That, there's a compelling case uh, to be made right there. Shea Dixon's with us. He's on Twitter, at Shea Dixon. Um, Shea, I know we talked last year when LSU played Tennessee at 11 a.m. and what felt like a missed opportunity you had a top 10 team coming in and the game was at 11 a.m. Does you, you alluded to it, how difficult it might be for kids to get here, right? If you're playing on a Friday night, can you turn around and get to Baton Rouge for 11 a.m.? Does, what does the kickoff time tomorrow or Saturday rather matter at, at, at all for recruiting purposes outside of just what you'd say to prior? I don't think so, because look, that Tennessee game was also Kelly's first year. It was the middle of the season. Uh, you With this one, you're at the end of the year. You only have a handful of spots or guys left you are recruiting that you would need to get in this weekend to really take a swing at. And let's say, for instance, Gabe Relaford and Evangel. Evangel's out of the playoffs now. He's coming down this weekend. So even with 11 o'clock, he's able to make it. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, yes, look, you'd love to have like a massive visitor list and everybody be able to come, and an 11 a.m. kickoff makes that difficult. Do I think that ultimately knocks them and like doesn't get them a kid in this class because of it? No, I'm, I don't think that's a big worry for me. I think more so than anything, it's just, hey, you have a handful of spots left, and they will have multiple Chuko defensive linemen in this weekend, which are targets for them here down the stretch. So if you've got 25 commits, and you want to end up between 25 and 30, I would guess that a handful of those guys that may end up in the class will be there this weekend, regardless of 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. Yashay, when you were here last week, we talked about how the, the next six weeks are really big. You'll have three big-time commits that'll all make their announcement here you know, in the, in the next six weeks or so. Um, but walk me through the timeline with the, uh, the transfer portal window opening that, that first um, week of, of December and it being Thanksgiving now. Walk me through the recruiting timeline of, of what's going to be relevant here over the next you know next fourteen days or so. Sure. So <clears throat> the big, well, I guess even beyond the, these fourteen days, I'd say if you're looking at announcements that are set, you've got Keelan Moses on November thirtieth, who is the high linebacker, four star. You have Harlan Berry, five star, number one running back in the country out of New Orleans uh, or out of St. Martin's in Metairie, uh, is December eighteenth, and then Bryce Underwood who um, obviously, and we've talked about him a ton, is the number one overall prospect in the country for next year and a five-star quarterback who will announce his decision on January 6th. So we have dates set now for a number of very important players on LSU's board. Now, as you noted, 
right after what the portal opens, I believe that first week after championship games is when the portal will open. So you'll have that 30 day window that people kind of immediately dive into. And uh, I think we'll make it kind of a day to day paying attention to what all's happening. Uh, But from just a recruiting calendar perspective, you get through this weekend. I believe that the portal then opens and December 1st, through the 16th, I think it is, is the contact period. So you can have kids on campus. You can do in-home visits. You can do all those different things uh, that lead up to the early signing period. And then uh, the early signing period would begin, I think it's December 18th and runs three days. So we are uh, right up against it. Within this month now uh, will be the portal opening in-home visits with high school kids um, and, you know, contact period, which allows everything. Uh, including official visits and then right up to signing day. It is a sprint to the uh, early signing period there in the, the middle of December. Shay Dixon over at On3. They'll have it all covered. He's on Twitter at Shay Dixon. Make sure you're following him there, and you can get all the stuff there at On3, the Bengal Tiger. Shay, we appreciate you as always, man. Have a great rest of your week. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving, man. Yeah, same to you and yours, Matt. Thanks for having me. Okay, that'll do it for us here on this Wednesday edition of LSU Daily, presented by Tacovis. If you're new, please subscribe up. On your favorite podcast app, rate us, leave a review, let a friend know if they love the Tigers. We got you here every weekday for LSU Daily, presented by Tacovis.